I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at rainnetwork.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. The past three years in Europe have been tumultuous. As the United Kingdom left the EU, the COVID-19 pandemic had a high human impact on the continent, and the war in Ukraine led to a cost-of-living crisis across Europe. To discuss how these events have shaped power relations within the continent, I'm joined by Adriano Bassoni, RAIN's Director of Analysis. Welcome back, Adriano. Hello, Emily. Nice talking with you again. You too. In many of your recent assessments for RAIN, you've discussed a shift in power and influence within the European Union. Can you tell us what's driving this change? Yeah, as you said in your introduction, the 2020 through 2022 period has been fascinating for for Europe because not one, not two, but three heavily disruptive geopolitical events um, shook the balance of power uh, within the European Union. Uh, leading to an increase in the influence of countries in the south of the continent and to some extent in the east of the continent to the detriment of the traditionally more influential countries in the north. Um, This is a power shift that is still uh, unfolding, but one that we think will have an impact in the EU's domestic and foreign policy in the years to come. Um, Of course, the first of the three disruptive events was Brexit, Um, You know that the referendum um, took place in June 2016, but the UK effectively left the European Union in January 2020 after years of negotiations. Um, The UK's departure left the EU without one of the bloc's strongest supporters of free trade, deregulation and limited social, economic and political integration in the continent. Um, For decades, the UK had been an ally to countries in Northern Europe and in particular in Nordic Europe that um, defended an open Europe with a pro-business approach to economic issues. Um, The UK also had a skeptical view on EU federalization. So Brexit created an opportunity for countries in Southern Europe, which tend to be more um, supporters of a more interventionist EU that shields their economies from external competition while also pooling financial resources across the continent to pay for bloc-wide policies. So these policies that for decades have been blocked by the UK or at least resisted by the UK were free to take hold in the, in the continent now that London was out of the equation. Um, the thing is, right after Brexit came the second um, disruptive event, which was the COVID-19 pandemic um, and the massive um, human and economic impact that it had on the, on the EU, which opened the door for the bloc to take unprecedented steps to handle the pandemic, including um, launching a massive seven and ha- 750 billion euro stimulus package in July 2020 that included grants and loans for member states, with Italy and Spain receiving the largest sums of money. Uh, The fascinating thing about this stimulus package is it's not only 
its sheer size, it's, it's really, really huge, but the fact that EU member states authorized the European Commission to borrow in financial markets on their behalf to pay for the package. This is a policy that just for reference would have seemed impossible to implement during the financial crisis only a decade prior because of firm opposition from northern European governments. Back in the day when Greece and others were in a deep crisis, there were talks about issuing uh, debt that was um, jointly backed by the 27 member states to pay for bailouts and stuff like that. But of course, there was a very, very strong opposition um, from Germany and many other countries in, in, in northern Europe. So this was a significant turning point. Of course, um, one of the reasons why Northern Europe decided to back this uh, massive package and uh, to authorize the European Commission to borrow in financial markets on their behalf was because the pandemic was an external shock, right? Unlike the financial crisis of the early 2000s, which to some extent was connected to irresponsible fiscal policies in Southern Europe, this time around, Southern European government really didn't have a lot to do with, with, with the impact of the pandemic, which kind of opened the door to this massive spending. But still, it was another um, case of Southern European countries becoming uh, more influential in EU politics. And then, of course, came the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yes, exactly. This was a third geopolitical event that altered the balance of power in the EU. Um, the war led to a spike in inflation across Europe uh, amid a tighter and more expensive energy supplies, which forced European governments to again introduce large stimulus packages while desperately looking for alternative supplies of natural gas to avoid um, gas rationing and blackouts uh, as industries in energy intensive activities were forced to reduce or halt their operations. Um, the war presented, of course, primarily a risk and an opportunity for Eastern European countries, which for decades have been warning the West about Russia's threat to peace in the continent and demanded a greater presence of NATO in the region and a more hawkish EU position um, on, on, on the Kremlin. So under pressure from the likes of Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, Romania and many other countries in, in Central and Eastern Europe, the EU imposed economic and political sanctions on Russia while increased financial, humanitarian, military aid for Ukraine. The fascinating thing about this whole thing, in, in, in my view, is that the war forced Germany to change a decades-old policy that um, sought to keep political frictions between Russia and the West separated from Germany's imports of uh, Russian natural gas. For decades, and especially under the Angela Merkel government, um, Germany insisted that whatever conflicts the West had with, uh, with Russia had nothing to do with <laughs> German imports of, of natural gas. And they defended um, projects like the very controversial Nord Stream 2 pipeline connecting Germany to Russia. But of course, with the war, um, Germany had to do a massive foreign policy U-turn. And for instance, they canceled blow, um, Nord Stream 2. Um, but perhaps more crucially, I would say, the war gave NATO a new sense of purpose that was in line with Central and Eastern Europe's views. 
And we need to keep in mind that before the war, NATO was in an identity crisis of sorts, or at least that was the perception in, in some European countries. We need to keep in mind that in 2019, French President Emmanuel Macron had uh, said that um, NATO was, and I quote, brain dead, and he was promoting um, European alternatives to NATO. Um, but the war absolutely changed all of this. It gave uh, a new lease of life to NATO. It actually led to Sweden and Finland breaking their historical neutrality to join the alliance. It justified, almost vindicated, I would say, uh, demands from Poland, Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia uh, of, 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 a, of a stronger presence of, of NATO in, in, in the region. Um, but there was another angle um, that, I, that I would like to highlight as an impact of the war. The war also increased the strategic importance of southern European countries, which overnight became key players in the EU's push to diversify its natural gas supplies away from Russia. Um, Spain and Italy's multiple LNG terminals and their pipeline connections with Northern Africa were a stark contrast with Germany's almost total dependence on pipelines coming from Russia. And this put um, Italy and Spain and, and a few others at the center of ongoing plans to multiply and diversify the EU's energy suppliers. So we have this third event that, similar to the um, COVID-19 pandemic and Brexit, gave additional influence to Southern Europe to the detriment of Northern Europe, while also giving an additional strengthened um, visibility and influence to countries like Poland and, and, and the Baltic states, especially when it came to Russia policy and when it came to security and military policy. Adriano, how are these developments going to impact the EU in the coming year? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I think that uh, many of the effects of Brexit, the pandemic and the war in Ukraine will be visible in 2023 and beyond. To, to start with, um, the taboo of joint EU borrowing has been broken uh, with, the, with the massive uh, pandemic uh, relief fund. So Southern European governments will continue to push for joint borrowing to pay for continent-wide initiatives in areas such as climate change, energy infrastructure, and, and so on. Um, then there's also the, the fact that the European Commission, which suspended EU rules on sovereign debt and fiscal deficit limits so that countries could spend their way out of the pandemic in 2020, 2021, 2022, is now pushing for a redesign of those rules before they are reintroduced in 2024. And this is where the South will be very vocal in its demands that the new rules are more flexible and more long-term as opposed to the current rules which are fixated with um, short-term rigid fiscal goals. Also, there has been a, a significant push led by France but supported by uh, most of Mediterranean Europe to increase protectionism in the European Union um, so that the EU can protect itself against similar measures being taken in, in China and the United States. So I think we have entered a phase of 
protectionism, subsidies, and other forms of assistance to strategic sectors of the European economy, which are in line with Southern Europe's views on how the bloc should operate. And then, of course, the coming years will also offer new opportunities for Central and Eastern Europe to increase their weight in um, steering the EU's strategic direction. Poland and the Baltic states will use their um, strengthened influence on EU foreign policy to ensure that sanctions against Russia are kept and, if possible, expanded. They will also call for and especially contribute to an increased presence of NATO troops in the region and they will push against any French plans to implement defense initiatives that could compete with, uh, with NATO. Um, so we will see, at least in, in 2023 and, and, and possibly beyond, both the South and the East of the European Union promoting their own views on, on, on what the future of the continent should look like. Um, now that's 2023, of course, but will these changes last? That's another great question, Emily. Um, to me, these changes will probably not last, or at least not all of them. I don't think that Northern Europe will be happy with uh, the change in the EU's debt and deficit rules. They will not tolerate this idea of uh, permanently issuing debt on um, jointly backed by, by the members of the European Union. So there will be significant pushback against that. I also want to highlight the fact that even if Poland and a few others have become more um, vocal and more influential regarding security and defense issues, once the sense of urgency connected to the war in Russia decreases, maybe their influence could decrease as well. And especially if new challenges emerge, such as um, a more assertive China or a military ascendant China, um, it will not re result in the same degree of European unity that the invasion of Ukraine did. So uh, the, 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 the challenges connected to China are not the same as the challenges connected to Russia. So to make a long story short, Emily, um, we will continue to see these effects in 2023 and beyond. But I think that over time, especially later in the decade, uh, we may realize that these changes are not permanent. Thank you so much for that analysis, Adriano. No problem. Adriano Bassoni is Rain's Director of Analysis. You can read his work in Rain Worldview, which is the geopolitical intelligence solution for professionals. You can find out more at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com.